episode of with a plum a show about the history culture and happenings in the beautiful game we're your hosts raj yes sir and yours truly neem neem before we get started on this show wanted to uh let all of you know a mini tradition we've had uh on our show so far which is raj wears actually a different jersey to each episode and i pretty much wear the same hoodie so I'm just going to let the man talk about what jersey he's wearing today. And at least if Raj, you could even catch us up on what were the two jerseys you wore on episodes one and two. That'd be amazing. Yes, I'm actually even going to do one better. I'm going to tell you what jersey I was wearing for the dry run, oh. which was that was a Flamengo 2013-2014 gold jersey. And I try and like have a reason to be wearing them. That one was in tribute for obviously the crazy and sad fire that killed the trainees at the facility that was very sad shouts to rio i got that when i was at the world cup for episode one i wore a united third jersey the pink one 2018 2019 you guys will remember that from united playing psg recently making history coming back from two nil down crushing their spirits winning three one away get into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I see all of you Parisians out there. (laughs) Shots fired. Last episode, when we chatted about Dortmund collapsing and trying to stay alive, I wore an 1860 Munich home jersey, sky blue, beautiful jersey, a white collar. That's from 2017-2018 when I was in those dirty Munich streets. Um... (laughs) Shouts to 1860. They're struggling right now in the third tier, but they're coming back up. They're the best team in Munich, bar none. This episode, I'm wearing a Milan throwback home jersey from 1988-1989. That will make more sense as we delve into this episode talking about the great number 10s of our time. In this episode, we'll dive into the significance of the number 10 jersey and how it's evolved throughout the years and some of the iconic players who have blessed the jersey with that number on their back. We'll also discuss the She Believes Cup and, of course, getting hyped for the upcoming Women's World Cup. Squad numbers have always had a significant meaning for both players and fans. This is universally true in all sports and especially in the beautiful game. Pele, Maradona, Ronaldinho, Zizou, Totti, Messi, Rooney, Del Piero, Bergkamp, Zico, Baggio, Marta, Rivaldo, Michael Owen, Kaká, Landon Donovan. What do they all have in common? They all wore the number 10. So today we're going to spend a little bit more time diving into the significance of the number 10 jersey in football and how it's really evolved in the game. Yeah, essentially... The number 10 started out as the supporting striker, the second guy, essentially in a 4-4-2 
which was a standard formation historically. Obviously not the case now, but you'd have the number nine striker and then you would just have the 10 sort of floating. So the number 10 was always this creative, very technical, oftentimes had flair. And that was a player that essentially was your go-to guy to make everything happen attacking-wise. Yeah. When I think of classic number 10s, my mind always goes to Maradona. The floater, he was the free player, obviously supporting striker. That's the Um, blueprint. And I mean, you see how even the number 10 from football has permeated into uh, other sports. Like I remember the first time I ever saw Kobe Bryant, obviously basketball legend, Lakers icon, for the USA wear number 10. Before even reading any interview, knowing why he was wearing it, I knew why he was doing it. You know, he was on an international stage for the U.S. national team. Of course, you know, he has some uh, roots in Italy with his father having played there. So when I saw him wearing number 10, I got super excited. And of course, he fits the mold. He's, you know, just like the uh, Maradonas and the Pele's and the Zizus. He was that talismanic player. Icons only. Um, Icons only. True that. Post-Maradona, I think the best example to tell you about is probably Ronaldinho. He was, he was a classic number 10. Obviously played in incredible teams. Ronaldinho, it's hard for me to talk about him because his collapse is tragic. Like Essentially, he had three really great years. Three years probably that you could put up with anybody's three years in the history of the sport. And then just collapsed. Yeah. Didn't, didn't take care of himself just was out partying, didn't play well for Brazil. And I mean, he won a World Cup in 2002 when he was young, but he was a disaster <laughs> in 06. And anyway, but he, he is that type of player. He collects the ball really wherever he wants, and he links up the play from the midfield to the number nine. For him, he had Samuel Eto'o at Barcelona, who was scoring like 30-plus goals a season. Ronaldinho was not like an out-and-out scorer in the sense of like, he wasn't pouring in the goals. Like I think his most goals for Barcelona was 21 one season, which is a great amount, but he's an attacking midfielder. He is that 10 though, like give him the ball, the flair he's got to this day, probably one of the most technically inspiring players of all time. Agree. He could just do anything. And when a number 10 gets the ball, defenders respect that and usually back off. And if you watch any clips of Ronaldinho, if you remember him when he was playing, I've never in my life seen someone just get on the ball and people just collapse, like panic. Professional <laughs> footballers just be like, oh, shit, now what? And I mean, just it's so true. Though. Just look at the goal. If you want to see what he's all about, his goal against Chelsea away. Chelsea won that oh game. My. I think it was 2005. And he's playing against world-class defenders. He just collects it. And he does this move that he sort of made famous where he just moves his foot about like he's trying to pass it in numerous directions. And then he just creates that little bit of space because you don't know where he's going with the ball. He was so quick. And then he just toe pokes it into the corner. It was a gorgeous goal. Yeah, he, his celebration on that goal was kind of cool too. It was just a bummer that they lost in the end. But yeah, that was, that was beautiful. Man. I mean, I also remember... Of course, Kaká for Brazil, when he wore number 10, the way he would run at defenders, especially then he was young and injury-free, people would panic. Milan Kaká. 
Oh my God. That, yeah. that was the prime years. Unfortunately, him too, injury ravaged essentially when he moved to Madrid. Yeah. But he's a. He's, yeah. Right. So I think, I think this is a great transition. Baggio, iconic number 10. Same with Del Piero, really. But mm-hmm. they aren't the 10s that you would think of. You know, for me, Del Piero is a nine. You know, yeah, he's an he out an and out, out striker. But he made that same, number same 10. Exactly, exactly. Rooney's a great shout because, you know, he played with a d- couple numbers for Man United. He started with eight. For England, he wore nine. And then he just sort of solidified into the 10. And that goes to what you were stating. Number 10 has evolved in that it is just the number to wear for a football player. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean what it did in the sense of positionally. Now yeah. it's, oh, you're a big dog. Here's the number 10. Some people fit that mold, like Messi, who wears 10, is a number 10. And he Mm -hmm. fits that mold. Some people, like Rooney, who is a 9, a striker, but obviously technically gifted, Mm -hmm. elite player. But he is a 9. And he took 10 because that is such a big dog number, which exactly is why Kobe took that number 2 in the Olympics. I mean, there's so many great examples, like you're saying, Kaka, but like Landon Donovan, who made 10 famous and the best USA player of all time. He was a nine as well, but mm-hmm. 10 is Ber- the number. Bergkamp too. Yeah, exactly. Bergkamp, absolute genius. And you, t- you look at someone like Zidane, who he only wore 10 for France. He could do it all, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he is an absolute genius, but he's not necessarily a marauder like a 10 is, but he did have that link-up ability, obviously, mm-hmm. and he scored goals, but he is more of a 10 than, say, like a Francesco Totti, who was, you yeah. know, absolute monster, but also a yeah. nine. But, you know, spent 3,000 years playing for Roma in the 10. Like... <laughs> He's been in Rome pretty much since prehistoric times. Yeah, Caesar. He was there when Caesar got stabbed, for sure. <laughs> Shouts to Totti. Oh my god, man. He's, he's an absolute god in Rome, as, as you know, he should be. Uh, and funny enough, we're talking about all these gods because, you know, it's really disappointing when a team hands the number 10 to some shitty player or someone who doesn't even like start. I always feel like that's such a wasted opportunity. I'm like, why wouldn't you just give it to the best player? Football is one of those sports where numbers are important and they need to stay in their lane. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's also it's so celebrated, right? Like I look forward to seeing. If, if I don't know you and I see you wearing the number 10, I'm going to be looking at you because I think that's significant, right? For sure. Every time you touch the ball, I have sort of an expectation that you're going to make something happen. That You're, you're going to foul him. Player. Yeah. You're going down because I'm too yeah. old to be chasing you. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, on that note, sort of tying it also to uh, Eterno, the our logo is a decagon. You know, when we were designing our logo, obviously we wanted a brand to represent something tied to the culture of the game. And the traditional ball, the 32 panel ball, you have essentially pentagons and hexagons. And we were sort of obviously inspired by the ball. So we thought, hey, what if we did a decagon? It somewhat, you know, represents a ball abstractly. And of course it has 10 sides. And as we've covered in this show, the number 10 has even a bigger significance. 
While we're here, I just wanted to shout out the England women's team bringing home the She Believes Cup. Massive, yeah, massive win. Essentially, just to catch everyone up, the She Believes Cup is held in the U.S. It's a friendly tournament. Four teams are invited. It's round robin. This year, it was USA, Brazil, Japan, England. Usually, Germany is involved. They weren't involved this time. There were some great games. England led now by former legend, played for Everton, Manchester United. England, Phil Neville. England took home the award. Lionesses, shouts to them. This sets the stage for the World Cup in the summer. I know that some people were kind of disappointed seeing the results, thinking their team was really lacking. But listen, USA, Japan, England specifically, big favorites for the World Cup. This was a friendly tournament. I mean, England crushed Japan 3-0, but England seized Japan in their group game. So they both were hiding some of their tactics a little bit. So don't worry, your team is still doing amazingly. Um, They will be big favorites going in. Germany as well will be massive favorites. They are incredible. While we're talking about Germany, real quick, they just released their jerseys for the Women's World Cup. They are incredible. Home and away. Oh, my God. The away, the burgundy, oh, it's yeah. delicious. That's crazy. So you check and those I out. I haven't even talked about that yet. This is yeah, I know. It's amazing. They look so great. And a few few of the jerseys are out. There's a leaked picture of uh, the USA jersey, which also looks dope. We'll talk about that more when it's official. But, you know, they're also doing a lot of cool things with the numbers. Like the Sweden jersey has, like, famous and powerful women's faces in the numbers. Super That's cool. Dope. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, there's a lot happening in uh, women's football. And this was sort yeah, of the a precursor. Cup, yeah, sorry, the Women's World Cup's actually starting uh, June 7th. Yeah, that's going to be an incredible tournament. There's, you know, a handful of teams with legitimate shouts for the crown. USA, France, Germany, England, Japan. They're all going to be really great. The Netherlands are awesome. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to that. There's going to be some incredible group games too. Same. And this is probably going to be uh, Marta, the Brazilian legend's most likely last World Cup. I feel bad for her because she just ca- kind of came at almost the wrong time just because yeah. the USA have been dominant and yeah. she doesn't have the help that the other countries have, you know. Definitely. You know, USA, they're all, they're not necessarily out and out flair players, but they are one through 11, all super quality. Japan, obviously, historically have been incredible. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, the rise of England. They are a different team. They are, they're looking for glory. And I think right now they're four in the FIFA rankings. But this cup win, and she believes, is the confidence booster they need. And I will be cheering them on this summer. Bring it home, ladies. Bring it home. It's coming Let's home. Let's do it. It's coming home. Once again, before we close out the show, we want you to know we'd love to hear from you. Please send us any feedback, questions, comments you might have. You can leave us a message through the Anchor FM app. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. On all those platforms, you can find us at forward slash EternoHQ. That's E-T-E-R-N-O-H-Q, as in headquarters. 
And of course, you can sign up on our site, eterno.boutique, for product updates as well. And on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. Your support always means the world to us. We'll catch you next time. Peace, peace. Peace.